Guess how bored I've been at home lately. Uh, let's just say that my online shopping has gotten a little interesting. Like, for example, I just got this magic wand. Seems kind of random, but I've been fascinated with magic ever since I was a kid, and my brother and I would try to put on acts for our family. And even though I hung up my magician's hat years ago, now, because the TikTok scene is kind of like a small town, I actually know a bunch of magicians and hypnotists in real life. It's kind of surreal. So for today's episode, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at the mysterious world of magic. Hi, my name is Bella, and you might know me as Jay is from TikTok or YouTube. But you're about to know me from this podcast, Know-It-All. And each episode, I'm going to help you become a know-it-all about something new. Here we go. So since we're talking about magic today, in the spirit of performing awe-inspiring tricks, I'm going to do something a little different today and make one of my friends appear on the podcast. Um, wait. Is it still just me? Is this thing broken? Oh, I think I have to say the magic word. Okay, are you guys ready? Abracadabra. Today we got a special guest on Know It All, my friend and amazing magician, Justin Woman from the Netflix show Magic for Humans. How are you? This is fun. So good to work with you again. Right? We've worked together before. We made a few TikToks. We've made a few TikToks. Those were the days. And I'm, I'm just excited to now chat with you again, especially about the art of magic, because Magic for Humans season three is out now. All right, let's dive into these questions. I'm very curious to learn about the world of magic. Let's talk shop. What can you tell me about the history of magic? Well, they say magic is the second oldest profession. I'll let listeners Google what the first oldest profession is. Um, Magic, I've always loved the fact that I think before movies came around, you know, when vaudeville theater was where people went for their entertainment, you know, like people didn't have TVs in their houses. They had to like go out to the theater and see a show. I remember being like little and me and my brother would put on magic shows for like our parents. And it was awesome. I, I know a few card tricks. You guys still revive the act ever? Do you still uh, pull out the bag of tricks? I remember a couple of them, so we do them, but never put on the full show. Oh, man. Okay. Have you always been into magic? I started when I was 12. I fell in love with it because I was riding my bike one day while wearing rollerblades. I fell off. I broke both of my arms. Long story. And I was in casts for six months. My doctor recommended magic as physical therapy. That's how I got into it. Fell in love with it. Okay. So what was the first trick that you actually learned? There's this trick called the vanishing salt shaker trick where, you know, you're at dinner with your family and you cover up a salt shaker with a napkin and you make it disappear. In reality, you secretly drop it into your lap. And I think the first time I did it, I missed my lap. I don't know how. How do you miss your lap? And it fell on the ground. And so it wasn't magic at all. (laughs) It was just me dropping a salt shaker. Yeah. That's hilarious. When did you actually decide to become a professional magician instead of like just it being a hobby type of thing? I like legit turned pro like when I was 14. I started doing kids' birthday parties around town in St. Louis where I grew up. I had business cards made up. I made up flyers to put at the grocery store, the kind you can kind of tear off a tab. So I was pretty early. Like I love doing magic. I love performing. But then I was very excited about the fact that I can make a living doing this, you know, maybe, or at least when I was a kid, you know, like have money to pay for my own stuff, save up and buy a car. Because when you're a kid, you're brainwashed into thinking that you have to have a career. You've got a brilliant plan for the future. You've got to go to college and get a, get a job. And the whole job part was always made to sound like it's not a fun thing. 
So like to stumble upon this thing, that's what I wanted to do anyway. And to be able to get paid doing it, it was like a big kind of moment for me. Probably just an awesome feeling like, Hey, like I can do this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at you. I mean, look, right. You're doing what you enjoy doing, right? I love it. (laughs) It's so fun. It's almost like you feel like you're cheating the system. Like you're getting away with something. I completely understand that. I've said that before too. Like it doesn't feel like I'm working half the time. It's like I'm tricking them. And at at some point they're going to find out. Did you have any other magician heroes growing up? Lance Burton. I'm sure growing up in Vegas. Did you ever see Lance Burton billboards around town? Maybe. (laughs) He was at the Monte Carlo for a while. He used to do a dove act, you know, like where he would be in a tux and make birds appear. And I kind of was inspired to make my own dove act. I traveled around the country competing in magic contests with like 16 doves. I would shove the doves in my in my jacket when I was going through security, you know, because you didn't want to buy a ticket for the birds. You have to buy a ticket for all 14 birds. Or <laughs> all these, it was very weird and probably very illegal. And it's probably a good thing that I don't own doves anymore. <laughs> don't do the dove tricks anymore. No more doves. Who is your hashtag magician goals now that you're all grown up? My magician goals. I mean, like David Copperfield, even when I was a kid growing up, like I saw him when I was like seven. I remember it very, very well getting my magic set signed at the end of the show. And he's still like the greatest. His body of work is incredible. He owns an island. I don't know any other magicians who own an island. He makes like $70 million a year, but he also does like 400 shows a year. But I'm a workaholic and I'm always inspired by guys like that who kind of really put in the time and it shows. Who are the magicians that helped pioneer what we think of as modern magic? Mm, Well, David Copperfield, as we mentioned, he came on the scene, I think in the seventies and really, he was kind of like magic's first, like uh, heartthrob. You know, now he's kind of like magic's fun uncle. He still looks good for his age, but like, I think when he came on the scene, he was like, just these dashing good looks and suave and crazy magic. You know, he was kind of like magic's first movie star. Doug Henning was right before him. He was a very famous magician. He was very hippie. He was kind of coming out of the Woodstock area, like when everyone was kind of very flower power and he really tapped into just love and wonder and joy. And he was one of the first magicians who kind of didn't dress like a normal magician, or at least like what people thought magicians look like. You know, normally they, people think of a magician in a sequin tux at that point. And he was wearing bell bottoms and jumpsuits. And he did a lot, I think, for just showing that magicians don't have to look a certain way. I mean, Penn and Teller, obviously, like they've always been subversive. But David Blaine, when he came on the scene, I remember I was a junior in high school when his first special aired. And it was so different because he wasn't on a stage. He wasn't wearing any costume. He's just wearing a black T-shirt. And he's on the streets, you know, doing crazy magic right up in people's faces. What they really did when they filmed the show is they really focused on the people's reactions and made it not about him, but about the effect he had on people. And I think that really changed the course of magic, especially magic that you see on TV forever. Yeah, the reactions are the best part now, just like seeing people freak out. Yeah, I know. And before that, magicians just took that part for granted, you know, maybe because, you know, there's a lot of ego in magic. You know, it's like I'm a all powerful magician. You know, you don't want the spectator to steal your spotlight. But I think David knew that that is the best part, that people love watching people freak out. What are the main styles of magic and what styles do you incorporate into your acts? 
Well, there are styles of magic and then there are like genres, like scales of magic. So there's close up magic, which is kind of like if you were having dinner in a restaurant and I was going table to table and it's like right there under your nose and you're like, what the crap? How the hell did they, you know, that happen? It's right there in your face. Then there's stage magic. I kind of do kind of parlor stage stuff when I'm performing live. You know, I, I, I can play big rooms, but I don't have like big boxes and stuff. Cause then the next step is like illusions, you know, Copperfield's like an illusionist. And I think style wise, there's people who are serious sleight of hand and, you know, they let their craft do the talking, you know, and then there's people who are comedy magicians, which I style myself as where I kind of don't like taking myself too seriously. I feel like David Blaine, you know, he just looks the part and I feel like we have David Blaine. We don't need more David Blaines. There's mentalists, you know, who do tricks that get in your mind. We love to learn more about what the heck is going on up there. And mentalism, I think, is fun because it, based on a little bit of truth of psychology and then a little bit of magic, can just really leave a strong impact. So I think my style is kind of like a little bit of everything. I kind of like subverting your expectations, making you think I'm this kind of way, and then like pulling the rug out and it's a different thing. I like not letting you know what to expect because I feel like it keeps you on your toes. I think it's better that way too because you're not sticking to one specific style. You can kind of do everything. Yeah, keeps it fun. When you were talking about uh, the mentalist stuff, is that kind of with hypnotism? Because I've noticed a lot of my hypnotist friends are like, yeah, I started out as a magician. I've always noticed they always start out in magic. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I feel like magic is kind of a good gateway art form for hypnotism, mentalism, probably juggling. A lot of comedians start as magicians because I feel like if you know that like, okay, I want to be in front of people, I want to perform. But when you're like 14, you can't really do stand up comedy. You don't really have life experience to talk about, you know. So magic is, I think, what people stumble upon a lot of the times, even musicians stumble upon magic because it's a, it's an instant way to learn a trick, master it, and get up in front of people and feel confident performing it. So it's kind of the gateway drug. And I just stuck with it. It's my favorite drug. So with that, like magicians are notoriously secretive about how their tricks work. Does that make it harder to learn and get better at those tricks? Yeah, magicians, obviously, you know, while there's not actually an oath or like a contract you sign, but it's kind of a understanding that the secrets of magic are better kept. Like we're not keeping secrets from you. We're keeping them for you because as an audience member, you think you want to know how a trick works. But often once you know, you're kind of like let down. It's like, oh, the same goes for Tooth Fairy Easter Bunny kind of thing, like beautiful, magical things that you want to preserve. But in the magic world, when you show that you have a true desire to kind of cultivate an interest in this art form, mentors will pop out of everywhere for you. You know, like magicians, while we kind of guard our secrets, if you are ready to get the answer that you seek, plenty of magicians, I think, will take you under their wing and tell you all the things that you need to know. It's very Mr. Miyagi-like. Magic's all about the illusion. How do you tell the difference between what's real and what's fake, especially in today's like photoshopped fake new world? How do I tell the difference or how do real people? Both. It's tricky because on Magic for Humans, like I've got an amazing team who I work with of, of magicians of different specialties who kind of come together to create all this magic that doesn't use CGI. It's not camera tricks. Like it's legit. What you're seeing on screen is what the people who were there saw on the day. 
And I think that that reads. I feel like people have a BS detector when they watch stuff these days. We've seen so many crazy movies and CGI, you know, like the problem is the CGI and all that has gotten so good. And like people like Zach King, who's a genius, you know, who can use digital editing tools to to create these amazing magic moments. I feel like a lot of it has to come down to the trust that you establish with your audience. And I feel like by never betraying their trust and by not cheating with the magic when I assure you I'm not, the audience kind of goes on that ride with you. But I, but I think sometimes, you know, when people are using green screen or, you know, whatever cheeky kind of cheating ways to do it, I feel like you can feel it as a viewer. Even if you're not savvy with technology, I feel like something just feels like mm, that's too good. That's too impossible. And I think that's part of it is that sometimes we'll do a trick as we're cultivating ideas for the show. Like we'll do a trick and we'll watch the test footage back. And sometimes it looks too good, which you'd think is not a bad thing. You'd think like, that's great. You want your magic to look too good. But sometimes if it looks too good, the only solution a viewer could have is that, no, it's fake. It's a fine line. And it's always changing because people are, you know, just TikTok is so full of now people becoming magicians, you know, like with all the crazy TikTok features everyone is kind of getting in on it because it is really, really fun. So my job is to always be a little bit one step ahead and maintain that trust and to uh, hopefully, you know, not set off people's BS detector. (laughs) I'm sure it happens sometimes though. You get comments like, this is fake. And you're like, but it's okay. I mean, yeah. And that stuff used to really irritate me because it's like, if you only knew how hard we worked to do that real, then you wouldn't say that. But I feel like I've learned to try to take it as a compliment because it's just people don't know what else to say. If they're like, this is fake, what it means is, I have no idea how you did that. That was amazing. So I've never been to the Magic Castle in Hollywood, but I've heard it's pretty exclusive and like invite only. Can you describe a little bit of it to me? Yeah. So the Magic Castle is a old Victorian mansion in the Hollywood Hills. I think it was built like in 1903. And then in the 60s, this family, the Larson family, bought the house because they wanted to turn it into an exclusive magicians members only nightclub which means uh you had to be a magician to be a member but you didn't have to be a magician to go you just had to be a guest of a magician and you also have to wear there's like a strict dress code men have to wear suits and ties and dress shoes and women have to wear cocktail attire and they've got a, a restaurant 10 bars and there's like four different showrooms of various scales so there's a close-up room where it's 15 seats. There's a parlor where it's like 40 seats. And then there's a stage where it's like 200 seats. And basically you go, you get all dolled up. People tend to drink a lot and you watch a lot of magic and you feel like a kid again. And um, it's a blast. I remember when I was growing up reading about this mythical place, the Magic Castle in all these old magic magazines I would go through and I'd be like, begging my parents to take a trip to LA. I really want to go. Finally, when I was 16, we took a family vacation to LA, brought my suit, we managed to get a guest pass. We pull up to the valet. And I guess the one detail I failed to uh, be aware of is that you have to be 21 to get in. And I was 16. Ah, because the drinking. I was so bummed. But we'd come all that way. So I had my parents go in. I was like, just go have dinner. Please see a couple shows and then tell me all about it while I waited in the car in the valet parking lot and cried and then fell asleep Aww. in a suit. Yeah. That's my first experience. That's such a sad story. I know. I know. But I'm not crying now. Yeah. And uh, and I'm I'm proud to be a member and I've performed there, you know, every year for the past 
15 years and it's a special place. And I would love to have you as my guest anytime. I would be so honored to go. That sounds awesome. So do you have any like favorite fun facts about the Magic Castle? Any other details? Well, there are little secret passageways here and there. Well, here's a fun fact is that the Magic Castle always has uh, someone who is the president. There's kind of a, a whole board of directors and stuff. And there's always a president who kind of runs the ship. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris used to be the president of the Magic Castle. Good old uh, NPH, Barney. And he did some really, really great things for the place. He's an avid magician. He's a really incredible magician and a great dude. That is a cool fun fact. I genuinely didn't know that he was a magician. <laughs> Are there any other like magic secret clubs? Would I tell you if there were? You should. I mean, you know, uh, Joe Bluth, of course, leads the the Alliance of Magicians uh, in the realm of Arrested Development, which I wish was a real thing. I wish. Um, any other secret magic clubs? There's a, a group of magicians called the 52, and I'm not a member of, but several of my friends are. And there can only be 52 members ever. Uh, because to become a member, you have to get a playing card tattooed on the inside of one of your fingers. Like just on your own, or you have to be invited and then get the tattoo? No, you have to be invited, and then you are told what card you have. Gotcha. And when there are 52, you they can't accept new members until someone, you know, <laughs> dies. Deep. Yeah, I'm in no rush to be a member. There's time. Yeah, but I'd say, yeah, magicians in reality, aren't as secretive and spooky, mysterious as we want you to think that we are. We know that it makes us sound cooler if you think that we're having secret meetings in the Louvre, you know, beneath the Mona Lisa, and, you know, nobody knows about it. But uh, really, we're just kind of all in our basements alone practicing card tricks. And no one wants to hear about that. <laughs> so what are you most excited for about Magic for Human Season 3? Ooh, man, I, every time a new season comes out, I'm just so excited because we work so hard. It's like so much magic that we cram into, into each episode and into a season. And, um, I feel like there's something about these times that we're all living in right now where everyone is kind of going through the same weird struggle. Like, and I feel like we're all craving escapism and I feel like the season that we created is just packed with kind of fun, forget about the troubles in the world, just zone out, have your mind blown for a little while. So I feel like it's perfect. I mean, sadly, perfect timing for this season, because I think people are just craving something to watch with their families. You know, I like to make a show that you could watch with your kids, you could watch with your grandparents, you know, you could watch with your buddies, and there's something for everybody. In terms of the episodes, let's see, we did, well, each episode has a theme. So there's an episode about conquering your fears. And I always had this fear growing up where I was being introduced to perform and I walked on stage and I was naked. Okay. Because as a magician, you know, it's one thing to walk on stage and be naked and be like, oh no, I'm embarrassed. But as a magician, you know, you have nowhere to hide anything. Yeah. So I wanted to conquer my fear by facing my fears. So I went to the only place that I could perform magic naked and not get arrested. And that is a nudist colony. So we went to a nudist colony. And of course, the, the extra layer on top of that is that the audience is also naked. So that's distracting. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool. We did it for real. Um, that was a very weird shoot day. I could imagine. There was a lot of sunscreen. <laughs> uh, I had to come up with tricks that I could do 
naked and uh, and also a lot of work for whoever at Netflix has to blur stuff. Yeah. Whoever that is, I apologize because <laughs> they were busy. Uh, but I think people will enjoy that. Like the biggest surprise for me was that so quickly you forget about the nudity thing uh, because because everyone's naked. It just becomes not a thing anymore. And I don't think I'd forget. I think the entire time I'd just be like, wow, this is this is happening. Yeah, it is kind of like a wow, this is happening. But you kind of realize like why I think nudists have like a bad rep. Listen, look at me. I'm defending nudists. <laughs> have a bad rep because everyone thinks it's like, oh, it's creepy and it's all, you know, it's sexualized. But it's really not. It's about being in a place where there's no judgment. Like there's, you know, everyone is equal. No one has better sneakers than somebody else or a nicer watch. Like everyone's mm-hmm. on equal, equal footing. So that was an interesting one. I like that. Yeah. Is there anything else you think I should know about magic? I want as many people as possible to feel like magic is accessible. That's why with Magic for Humans, we try to, I mean, literally for humans, you know, so I try to not narrow the demographic down. It literally is for everybody. And I feel like that is a nice thing. What I love most about the response from the series is when people say, like, I normally do not like magic or I would never watch a magician, but I love this show. That tickles me because it kind of just feels nice to bring somebody in who wouldn't have otherwise been in. I bet. Like, get him to the dark side. (laughs) Exactly. That was a pretty good trick, right? Maybe I'll have even more impressive tricks to share after I check out the magic castle. Anyway, that wraps up today's episode. I learned so much about magic, and I hope you did too. Thank you, Justin, for giving us the inside scoop and filling us in on some of the secrets of magic. Hit me up on TikTok and Instagram at OnlyJS or Twitter at NotJS, and let me know what you thought of today's episode. Plus, I want to know, who is your all-time favorite magician? Also, just a quick reminder to smash those five stars on iTunes and leave a nice review. It's super easy, and when you rate and review the podcast, it helps other listeners find me. Curious what the next episode of Know It All will be about? I'll give you a hint. What can you usually see at night, but is actually always around? Think you know the answer? Leave a comment on social, and I'll give a shout out to somebody who gets it right in the next episode. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Know It All. And now, I will make myself disappear. Hey guys, Justin Willman here, star and creator of Magic for Humans on Netflix in season three is out now. Check it out.